Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We have all talked about it before. It's no secret. Those dealing with mental illness, drug dependency, or an alternative lifestyle are more often than not overlooked, not taken seriously, left to fend for themselves. We sit back and we let people who aren't quote-unquote average fall through the cracks in our judicial system time and time again. When two or more of those factors come into play, it creates the perfect storm for an unsolved murder. When will we as a society learn that just because you're overcoming addiction or you suffer from depression that you're no less of a person? When will we start to treat everyone as what they are, people? Simply put, we're all humans. When it comes down to it, we all want to be loved, we all want to feel safe, and honestly, we deserve that. According to Jacob Gears, you are a unique collection of cells and energy that will never again be recreated on this planet Earth, and that alone, you are worthy. What beautiful words. In today's episode, I want you to think about that quote. Our victim today was worthy. He was loved. But sadly, our victim never found the safety he deserved. Week after week, we bring you one cold case after another, asking you to help us bring closure for these families. This week, it's the same. As you listen to this week's story, go back in time, remember details you may have forgotten, help us bring answers to a grieving family. Because even though our victim today did have many of the factors that I mentioned earlier, he was no less human. This is the story of Blair Adams. cases where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams and my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page Coffee and Cases podcast because as we all know conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Before we begin our show today, Allison and I want to remind you about our ongoing challenge. You guys were so awesome for getting us to our 15 written comment goal so quickly. We thought we would up the ante. Now, this one is a lofty goal, but Maggie and I know that we need to set our sights high. We want to get to 150 ratings on iTunes. We currently have 72. So what we're aiming for is more than double, but it only takes a split second. If you are listening to us on iTunes, just click for that five-star rating. 
We have listeners from all over the world, including a growing listenership in Sweden. So while this is a big ask, we know that you can do it. It may take a little longer than last time, but when Maggie and I get to 150 ratings on iTunes, we will do another bonus episode. Just make sure that you follow us on social media, Coffee and Cases Podcast on Facebook, or at Coffee Cases Podcast on Instagram, or as always, listen in each week to know when that bonus episode will air. Now, Allison, let's get to our show. Today's episode begins in Canada, Allison, and I just realized while I was writing this story that this is the second week in which I have narrated a story that took place in Canada. So there's something about Canadians that's just drawing you to them. Yeah, right? I guess they just have some really good cold cases there. And just like the last episode I did, Blair meets his brutal end in the United States as oh, well. So yes, so don't travel to the United States, yeah. I guess is the, the message. Yeah, which so we don't want to send, but... <laughs> I mean, we want to see you, but yeah. I mean, we don't want you to end up missing. Or murdered. Or murdered. <laughs> So, as you probably guessed from today's intro, this case is yet again one that, if we would let it, could center around Blair's past. I feel like we do a lot. Yeah. We kind of have to remind everybody not to judge the victims, right? Because there's that tendency to feel like if there's anything... Because, like I said, they're still human. Exactly. Despite the mistakes we make, we're still people. They're still children. They're still fathers. They're still brothers and sisters. Right. It it doesn't make the family feel differently. This might skip ahead a little, but in some of the research I said, or I found, when they were talking about people stumbling upon his body it was like they first thought he was homeless okay well does that make him right, any less matter. of a person that right. doesn't matter someone right. still died right so i don't know mm-hmm. i think it's easy for people just to like let that kind of block their i agree vision but blair was a recovering alcoholic i'm going to go ahead and talk about it because it does kind of come up later on he had been attending aa meetings and had been sober for two years so i mean that's pretty impressive that's good oh, i think yeah. that's great that is an Um, You'll also see, as some details come forward in the case, that many thought Blair was suffering from mental illness, even though he had never been diagnosed with any type of mental illness. Mm -hmm. But just like some of his behavior points to maybe he had something that had gone undiagnosed. Blair's case has so many details, Allison, that I'm honestly going to need your help to keep everything straight for everybody listening at home. Because whereas our normal cases are like a few hours, this is like several days okay so it can kind of get a little overwhelming i think blair's story begins on july 5th 1996 so a simpler time for sure blair had recently started a new job one that he was happy to be at one that he was even boastful about having both his co-workers and his family though could tell that something was wrong with him He had started telling his mother that people at work were spreading rumors about him. He had started acting jumpy, scared, frantic, which was not the kind, cool, and collective person that everyone was used to seeing. That's sad. Because, I mean, you said he was excited about this new job. And then to start it and feel like you're not part of a team or like... And I don't know really from my research if it was something at work that necessarily happened 
or if this was all sort of some type of paranoia that oh, he had okay. going this is on. Like manifesting his Yeah. Life. Okay. According to his mother, Sandra Edwards, Blair had begun to have mood swings, and she said they were actually wild mood swings. Mm. She says, quote, something was obviously very much the matter. He hadn't been sleeping well. Something was wrong. I asked him numerous times what was wrong, and he said, I don't think I should tell you about it. And to this day, I don't know what it is, oh, end quote. No. And as a... Oh, as a parent, I'd be like, no, you've got to tell me. <laughs> like, yeah, i got to know what, is, what it is. Yeah, and that comes up over and over again that he, like, says something is going on, but never will come out and say what exactly is going on. Which makes me feel like maybe there is something, like, tangible, that it's not just, you know, something that he's imagining or paranoia. For me, and I don't know why. I guess even though the word "it's" super vague, yeah, it's like to me that kind of triggers something that there is something really something wrong. Really wrong. So as I mentioned before, Blair was a happy-go-lucky man who was excited to be starting a new job, but something or someone was bothering him. Fear finally eats at him enough that he tells his family he has to leave. And on July fifth, he goes to the bank and drains his checking account and his savings account, as well as gathers all the jewelry that he owns. Okay, so this tells me he's going to get the heck out of Dodge. Like, it's yes. going to go somewhere. Yeah, and this also points to me that there was an actual danger. Right. Of course, if he drained mine and Anthony's checking and savings account, you can't go very far. Mine, yeah, he wouldn't get a lot. But, you know... <laughs> So, not much is known in the days that follow. We aren't sure what happened exactly in those days, but we know on Sunday, July the 7th, Blair heads for the Canadian border. Okay, so this is two days after the story started. Yes, so okay. two days after he drains his bank account. So things he goes got to back the border. quickly. Yes. I mean, he had just started a new job, and now he's ready to leave the yes. country. I'm fleeing. Okay. Yeah. According to an article called Who Killed a Canadian in Knox County But Left His Gold?, on Sunday morning, Blair drove his Chevrolet and tried to board a ferry from Victoria to Seattle. Also, in all this research, I've never, like, been to Canada. I do want to go there. But I didn't know that. Maybe it's different now, but at this time, there was so much, like, border patrol mm -hmm. between the United States mm -hmm. and Canada. But I know they'll check your cars. So that does come into play. Okay, okay. So remember, he did have a ton of cash on him. And because of all of this cash, he stopped by Border Patrol as a possible drug courier. Oh, okay. So they see all this cash and they're like, not a You're good You're dealing sign. drugs, yeah. Um, it also didn't help his case that he lied when they asked him about his criminal history. You see, he did, in fact, have a small past. There was a small assault charge and a drug charge. I didn't look too much into that because, again, that has nothing to do with the fact, in my eyes, right, that he's, that he's right. dead and we right. don't know who killed him. Right. So, Blair's denied entry because of all of that, and he just doesn't give up hope. I am sure, though, that this threw his plan for a loop because after he was denied entry to the U.S., he makes several short stops in Canada, kind of like he's trying to figure out, okay, like, now what? Like, okay, let me try this. Oh, no, can't do that. Like, yeah. let me try something else, kind yeah. of like that? Yeah, very much so like that. Okay. Because he visits a friend in Vancouver. Then he goes to visit another friend in another city. And then he goes to see his mother 
in Surrey. So he makes three separate stops, and I'm not sure exactly how far away those towns are from one another, mm-hmm. but again, it's like he's trying to figure out, like, what do I do now? Right. And I noticed, too, you know, as you're talking about where he stops, none of these places are random. It's all, like, with friends or family, so places he would feel safe or if he there could is get a help. legitimate... Yeah, if there is a legitimate threat where he would be like, okay, if I go here, maybe nobody can hurt yeah, me. or maybe someone can help me if I'm here. Right. So now it's been three days, and we are now on July 8th. So remember how I mentioned earlier that Blair was extremely excited about his new job? Yes. Like, he was described literally in several articles as, quote, boastful about the job that he had. Well, Allison, mm-hmm. on July 8th, Blair marches into his workplace and quits. So you, you've taken a job that you feel is so important that you want to tell everybody about it, right? Like, shout from the rooftops, I've got this job. And now you're like, three days mm-hmm. after you've accepted it, nope, I'm out. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. So, the strange and unexplained murder of Blair Adams' true crime is one of the really interesting articles that I found, and it states that, quote, later that same day, he bought a round-trip airline ticket from Vancouver to Frankfurt, Germany for $1,600. The flight was to depart the next day. Only a few hours after purchasing the ticket to Germany, Blair went to a friend's house, end quote. There, he tells her that he needs to get to get across the border because somebody's trying to get him, trying to kill him, and he goes to her for help, but she's not able to help him. Okay, here's why I'm confused. And this is the part, I guess, the the frantic nature where you were saying like a lot of people have linked it to maybe an undiagnosed disorder or something like that because to me that doesn't make sense that he would spend so much money on a ticket but the ticket is flying from Vancouver, which is in Canada, mm-hmm. to Germany, and yet he's still going to a friend's house to try to cross the border. Right. Unless he's wanting this ticket to somehow be like a false lead, like a red herring, like let's throw people off because I'm buying this ticket and they're going to think that I flew there, but really I'm hiding out someplace safe. I, I never know. thought of that. That's a good theory. He did from some of the accounts that I read, had a girlfriend at one point that mm-hmm. was in Frankfurt, Germany. So some people believed he was flying to her, Okay. but he never uses the ticket. So instead of using his plane ticket, Blair turns in the ticket for a rental car on July 9th. Hmm. So I did see two different reports on this, Allison. One report is that he rents the vehicle instead of using the airplane ticket. The other report is that he stole the vehicle at a place near the border and that Border Patrol noted several cuts and bruises on his legs. Something said that he matched the description of the person who had stolen a car similar to that. Mm. But regardless of how he gets the car, this time he is able to cross the border and heads to the Seattle airport. Wait. Which would make me think that he didn't really steal the car. Because I'm thinking, if they're checking the vehicles enough to where they would see, he, oh, this guy has a lot of money. I don't know if they do this. I would think. I guess this is something I can look up. If they typed in your driver's license number. Right. Because right? they would know then that this guy's already tried to get across the border. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he had all this cash and we stopped him or they would see his and charges. And wouldn't he have to have like a passport? 
don't think you have to or have do you a not have to have to that to Canada from the I US didn't or think the you US? did either but I didn't know from at Canada? that time if you had to and I also don't know if they check every car do the is it right, like it might a be random, random like at the airport right and then he happens to get through but if that were the case then how would they know that he had scratches and bruises on his legs which tells me that they did say yeah so I'm thinking he didn't. That's my theory. Yeah, I think he, he rented didn't. it. Yeah. And I because feel like there would be a lot of evidence to show, like, record that he rented this car. Right. That's I just me, though. So. so the stolen car theory does kind of help push you into the way of thinking that he's running away from something or someone. Right, frantic. Do yeah. whatever yeah. at all costs. I need to get out of here. I'm going to steal this right. car. But... The man that I read about did not seem to be one that would steal a car. So, in my mind, he rented the car Mm -hmm. and drove into Seattle. I think that's a logical conclusion, too. So, he likes airplane tickets because in (laughs) Seattle, he goes to the airport and buys another one, this time to Washington, D.C., So, I would get it if he bought a ticket to the same place, but now he's buying a different ticket to a different place. Yes. But still across the country. Yes. Across the United States from where he is. Yes. he's near Seattle. Yes. Okay. So, despite the fact that he is now on his second airplane ticket, what seems even more strange to me is the fact that Blair spends 800 U.S. dollars on this ticket, whereas he could have only spent... $400 had he purchased the round trip ticket. Hmm. That makes no sense. Because I feel like they would tell you, hey, the one-way ticket's $800, but if you purchase the round trip, even if you don't return back, it's half the cost. So it's almost like money is no object. Like, he's not even concerned. Maybe the one that was one-way left... Earlier, maybe? No, that can't be. Because even when you buy a round trip, you select your flight there and you select your flight back. So you could have chosen it. This, to me, points more to the undiagnosed mental disorder. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like he's just so frantic. Like, something is happening that he is not thinking clear. And I don't know if it is a mental disorder or if it's just, like, the panic of, I have to get away, I have to get away, I have to get away. Which I totally get that because I've been, you know, I think everybody has felt so panicked at some point where you don't think clearly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or you don't think to ask questions or you don't. I can remember specifically one time that I was babysitting my little cousin and she was like two or three at the time she wasn't very old and I always locked both of the doors at my aunt's house just out of habit Mm -hmm. and so I went to fix her like something for lunch and I turn around and she's gone and so immediately I mean I was little I wasn't not little but I was like eighth grade maybe and so immediately I'm like yelling for her in the house like I'm running everywhere I run outside even though I had to unlock the door to get out there right so there's one of those things yeah you know that's not logical that it would still still be locked from the inside but you go do it and so like I'm running everywhere looking for her and she never comes out of where like I never find her and so I call my uncle who lives up the street because my aunts were all gone Mm -hmm. shopping and I was like hey I've lost Kirsten. 
And so he come, like, he's like, I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, okay, let's just calm down. Right. And let's pretend like we're playing hide and seek. And then, like, when I started talking, like, I can't find you. Where are you? She came out from underneath the bathroom sink. Oh, I bet you were so mad. Oh, I was mad. (laughs) But my uncle was even more mad. He wore her out. But, yeah, I mean, but that's one of those things, and you just said it, where, like, you logically know if she had gone out the door, she couldn't have locked it back from the inside but that's the first thing you do right you you don't even think you just unlock and go look so maybe that's what he was doing we'll give him the benefit yeah yeah we know from several reports and interviews that blair was exhibiting odd behavior that some people obviously believe like we just talked about was an undiagnosed mental illness so could this behavior have been part of that mental illness was he so like quote unquote out of it that he wasn't able to reason the way that we just did Mm mm-hmm Obviously, that's something we're not going to know. Right. But on July 10th, Blair arrives in Washington, D.C. Oh, so he he used the ticket. He uses this plane ticket. Okay. So, second plane ticket is a go. And he rents a car and heads straight for Knoxville, Tennessee. (laughs) Came out of left field. (laughs) Was not expecting that. So Especially, I feel like Knoxville isn't like one of those cities where, you know, people from other countries are like, I want to go to... Yeah, like New York City, Washington, D.C., like people from other countries want to go there. Right. But that would be like the same as somebody being like, I really want to see Louisville, Kentucky. Right. So bigger city. I mean, plenty of stuff to do. But still, it's random. Yeah, it does seem very random to me. I find it odd. I mean, I don't, like we said, I don't really know a lot about Knoxville. They have a zoo, right? Isn't it near like the Smoky Mountains? Mm -hmm. That's really about all I know, but I did Google it, and they do actually have a small airport in Knoxville. So, like, if it was your original intentions, why didn't you go to, like, maybe the Lexington Airport and get a connecting flight to Knoxville? Like, why would you fly to Washington, then backtrack to Knoxville? Right. So, obviously, D.C. isn't your final destination. Right. So, you're saying, why wouldn't you fly from Seattle to Knoxville or somewhere that's closer. Or if his plan is, or, you know, was originally to go to Germany, you're not going to get to Germany from a small airport. You're going to have to go to an international hub. Like Washington. Right. So, hmm, that's odd. Maybe we're missing something. Maybe he had business of some sort that he had to take care of. You know, with all that cash, maybe he was trying to pay somebody off. You know, to kind of leave him alone. Mm -hmm. But we don't know. And like we said, again, nothing against the state of Tennessee because it is beautiful. If you've never been there, you should go. But I do feel like it's very similar to Kentucky in many ways. Like, unless you are have family there or you know someone there, you're not just going to randomly be like... Let's travel to Kentucky. Yeah, let's go to Kentucky today. Like, you're just... I feel like that's just too random. And for, from all my research, we know that he didn't know anyone in Tennessee. We know from Blair's family, he had only traveled to the southern U.S. one time, and it wasn't to Tennessee. And as if this case wasn't strange enough, with the ticket buying, the border hopping, the weird destinations, Blair's behavior gets even more strange as we move into the final days of his life. According to many accounts, 
Blair was seen on July 10th, so we're five days past when he drained his bank account, Mm -hmm. at a gas station in Knoxville. So remember, he had her in a car at the airport, so I'm assuming he has stopped to fill up, maybe grab some snacks. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Headed somewhere again, though, obviously. Yeah, he's on the road again. Okay. Don't know where, too. He speaks with a gas station clerk around 5.30 when he tells the clerk that his rental car won't start. So the clerk speaks with him and he attempts to help him. Now, this is something that I would never do because I would be too scared and I'm not about to be kidnapped. Uh-huh. But the clerk from several several reports gets into his car and tries to start his car. I would never do that. No, I wouldn't either. But if you're brave enough to do that, good for you, sir. <laughs> good for you. Yes. It is then that he notices that Blair is trying to use the wrong key to start the car. Oh. So that's why it wouldn't start. But he had the wrong key. Okay, here's what's odd to me about that, though. Here's what doesn't make any sense. And it is that I would think when you get a rental car that the key to that car is going to be the only key that is on that ring. And if he is nowhere near his home, why would he be trying to use, like, say, a home key or an apartment key or something like that? Because it wouldn't even be on the same key ring. Right. I wouldn't think. Right. And the clerk tells him that, hey, this is the wrong key. Maybe you should check your pockets. Do you have another key in there? And despite him telling Blair all of that, he just kind of acts confused and refuses to listen. So, again, this clerk is braver than me, but he drives him to the hotel. Oh, so maybe he was trying to use the hotel key? Well, he hadn't checked into a hotel. Oh. So he drives him to the hotel he's going to check into. First of all, that's a kind uh, gas station attendant. Yes. But second of all, no. Yeah, no. Not riding Mm -hmm. with a stranger somewhere. No. And, like, even, like, people walking up and down the street or the road, I feel so bad. And I'm like, you know, maybe, like, that's an angel and I'm supposed to help them. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, or maybe you're an axe murderer and you will cut me when I put you in the car. And you don't know which. And so we're just like. My intentions we're good. Right. But I'm not letting you in my car. I'm sorry. Right. According to the strange and unexplained murder of Blair Adams, true crime, the manager at the hotel remembered Blair distinctly. So the gas station clerk does get him to the hotel. The hotel person remembers Blair because he walks in and out of the lobby several times, coming in, going out, coming in, going out. Before he finally decides to register for a room. Okay, now that's odd. That's odd. Because I would think that he doesn't know anybody in Knoxville. Unless he's so paranoid at this th- at this time, and after everything that's happened, that he somehow feels like somebody's after him. And so he just keeps checking to make sure nobody's following him. Yeah. Goes back in. Wait, did I check correctly? Comes back in. But that seems excessive. Yeah. Five it, times. Yeah, it's like several times. I mean, I don't know if it was really five but it was several times is what the account said so enough that it's noticeable so more than once or twice it's enough that you notice that he's doing it and another thing that's weird he pays for the hotel room with a 100 dollars bill but doesn't wait to get the change he just leaves completely from the hotel after he pays for a room like doesn't go to his room does not go to his room to settle in leaves the lobby so again 
doesn't care about money, obviously, because he spent right. $800 when he could have spent $400. And $1,600 on the one airplane ticket. Right, that he never used. Mm-hmm. And now he's paying $100 for this room, doesn't get change. It also shows me that, obviously, he doesn't want to trail because he's paying with everything in cash. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's good. Right? So maybe if he is afraid that, mm-hmm. you know, someone's after him, that paranoia. Mm-hmm. But that's odd that he then... It's almost like he it's a game, and he's, like, trying to throw people off. Like, let's buy a ticket that I never use, so maybe they'll yeah. check there first. And then let's buy this ticket, but let's then Backtrack. fly to, yeah, to Knoxville, a city where maybe they would never expect I'd yeah. go. Then let me check into a hotel that I never use. So it's, oh, like, all these, like, that's false a really good leads, kind of. Yeah, so he's just maybe trying to make people think Mm -hmm. he's in these places Mm -hmm. but he's really not hmm good theory but this does bring us to july 11th the day that blair's body was found blair's body was found early in the morning on july 11th when two men stumble upon his body at a construction site so at first and i did mention this they believe he's homeless but when they get closer do you want to guess what they find What? Oh, no. Cash and loads of it. What? So all that money that he had on him. Yes. Still on him. Yes. Literally everywhere. He was surrounded by cash. <gasps> it was floating So it's like one of air. those air machines where you're like yeah. reaching out to grab the cash, like but on, floating around Like him. on Matilda when it's like that show that's like, get sticky with <laughs> Icky. They're trying to get the money on It was on his body, in his pockets. His fanny pack was full, and I mean, literally. First off, he had a fanny pack. I know. I'm giving a look. I wish you <laughs> yeah, guys could see it. <laughs> yeah, he had a fanny pack, but those are which is not. Um, first of all, that's not a phrase that you say in England. A fanny pack? Mm, yeah, doesn't mean what it means here. It's not a little purse that goes on your waist. I mean, that's what we mean by it. But well, our English listeners. Right. I'm it's talking a, about the a, little purse that like fits on your waist. Yeah. It's like a belt. <laughs> Not whatever else it means. <laughs> so it is full of jewels, you said? Yes. Even I read in one article, bars of gold. Like that you would That's get heavy. like Fort Knox. I don't know. That is bizarre. But again, like if somebody's after him, which obviously they were, then why would they not take money? Yeah, um... Like, even if you were after somebody just to be after them, it, you're, yeah. uh, the money's right there. Or, if, yeah, if I'm just, like, chasing you because you got on my nerves or whatever, then I just... Then there's money floating yeah, in the air. Yeah, like, oh, money! <laughs> you're not just going to turn around and run yeah. away. We were just talking about student loans. I would take that bar uh, and be like, yep. here you go, great right. student loans. Right. Take this money. I know. Let me out of debt. Yes, yeah, so just... Erase that, please. (laughs) So that alone is odd, but the oddities of this case, Allison, don't stop there. Okay. So remember, he stops at the gas station and he can't start his car because the clerk. He was using the wrong key. Yes. Okay. And the clerk tries to tell him, and he's kind of like, just doesn't pay attention. Right. Right. Doesn't get it. Yeah. They find the key he actually needed for his rental in his pocket. So he had it the whole time. Obviously, because he drove it to the gas station. So why would you not remember? Oh, yeah, I stuck that key in my pocket. pocket. Or fill it. Right. He also is naked from the waist down. 
that always seems to say to me sexual assault of some kind. Yes, and they do believe that he was sexually assaulted, and I'll talk about that um, a little later on, but that is a belief because his pants were actually turned inside out mm. as well as his socks. So I kind of think of, like, well, I, I, I've never worn these, but I, I've seen, like, you know, movies where women wear, like, the gloves when they're washing dishes. Yeah. I feel like I should. I feel like my hands would be yeah, but a lot then, nicer. But anyway, when you pull them off, you pull them off, they're inside out. Yeah. So, yeah, with pants, I feel like if somebody's taking them off of you mm-hmm. and they start with the waist, they would be inside out. So that, to me, seems to indicate that, like, somebody took them off. Well, to play devil's advocate, every time I take blue jeans, especially off, mm-hmm. They are inside out. And I don't know if that's because mm. I typically wear, like, skinny jeans and Could they're be. tighter. Right. Because I always pull, like, at my ankle and pull right. them off so that they're not But I also wash out. my clothes inside out. You know, thank you for saying that. <laughs> because Rodney gives me heck every single time I wash clothes because I turn clothes inside out. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you're... Like, making so much more work for yourself. That's and I'm like, the tag says. says, turn it inside out. It's supposed to, like, preserve your clothes. I turn inside it inside out. Thank you. You're welcome. There's your life tip today, <laughs> sleuthhounds. You're welcome. Turn your clothes inside out. Yes, it preserves them. <laughs> so, anyways, his pants were turned inside out, as were his socks, which that is a little weird. Right. So, it looked like someone had pulled them off of him. And, I, like you said, you automatically think of sexual assault. I do. And... The police also thought the same thing, but we don't have any record that there was any DNA found. Oh, so, so no semen, no, no none of, proof. Yeah, no proof that there was a sexual assault. I guess that doesn't necessarily mean, because it could have been, and this is grotesque to even think about, but it could have been like with an object. Yeah, true. Instead of a body right. part. Right, Yeah. Beside his body was a duffel bag full of maps and travel documents, which, Allison, I think the theory you brought up earlier fits this, that he was leaving just like a trail, mm-hmm. because why else would you have various travel documents and maps? Right. He could have even, for all we know, had he gone to that hotel room, he might have left like a travel document or a map in yeah. there. So again, like throw somebody off or so like, like they would think he's gone A piece of his clothes or something. Right. Yeah. So, maybe he was running away. Maybe, like you said, he was leaving the false trail. Sadly, Allison, we don't know. The only thing we do know is that Blair didn't go peacefully. Oh, no. He wasn't killed quickly. Mm. We can deduce from his injuries that he had a slow death. Oh. Which I think That's hard. Is sad. Yeah. I mean, all deaths are sad. Right. But we all want to imagine when we go, like, it would be in our sleep or... Or at least quickly. Right. But his wasn't. From evidence left at the scene of the crime, we can tell that Blair put up a good fight against whoever was trying to attack him. His attacker actually ripped out pieces of Blair's hair from his head. He was missing pieces of his hair. And Blair's hands were bloody as if he had been trying to defend himself. One, they said, looked like he had maybe fallen and tried to catch himself on the blacktop. Mm-hmm. Blair actually had hair in his hand that wasn't his own hair. So we assume it's from his killer. The hair was tested for DNA, but they never 
found a match. Even to this day, we don't have a match. Well, hopefully, I mean, we talked about this with the Amy Maholovic case that where they found the hair on the blanket yeah. that she was wrapped in and that mitochondrial DNA and how that form of DNA research is just getting better and better as time goes on. Yeah. And so hopefully we'll get to the point, you know, because I don't know if they can do it yet with mitochondrial DNA, but I know with like blood DNA, that's why I like those websites of like ancestry.com mm-hmm. and things like that. If you, if you can locate a relative, then you can like link it back to who might have done it and maybe we'll get there if we don't have the technology yet with mitochondrial DNA. So maybe it's just because I'm weird, but like I think why don't we have a system where everybody's DNA is on file? Is that like does that like I guess take away your alienated rights or something? Right, like invasion of privacy, I guess, in a way. And there's a lot of fear, I have to say, in people thinking that the government is somehow watching you or keeping tabs on you. In yeah. part of my mind, I get it, but another part of my mind is like, well, if you haven't done anything wrong, then what do you have to be scared of? But you then know, Facebook shows an ad of something I was only thinking about, and I'm like, mm, right, they're listening. They're listening. <laughs> this, is, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> this is not okay. We know from the autopsy that Blair had eaten recently. There was still food in his stomach. We also know from a few different eyewitness accounts that Blair was seen in public at a few different restaurants with a man right before he died. And we're going to post that police sketch for you guys on Facebook and Instagram. Does does it look like anything in terms of, you know, I know the only man you've mentioned, maybe two you've mentioned, is the gas station attendant and then the hotel clerk? The only one of those two people that were ever kind of like questioned was the gas station attendant he was questioned a little bit so much so that um they obviously didn't link him to the case but he ended up quitting his job because of all that went on with this all the publicity right yeah i read it quit but you know if he's seen with a man it makes me feel like you know we talked about earlier in this episode about how it seems odd that he would go to knoxville tennessee of all places unless he knew somebody there Right, and maybe this... And that might be the man. Yeah, or maybe this was the man that was after him, and he was, like, trying to pay him off or, you know, talk out the situation or something. Right. I mean, we don't know. But we do know Blair had a huge cut on his forehead and that he was hit so hard in the stomach that his cause of death was ruled septic shock because of how hard he was hit in the stomach. I didn't know that that was possible until I read this. But I'm not a doctor, but clearly I feel dying from septic shock would be a slow way to go. Yes. Like, I don't think that it happens instantly. No, I don't think so. Police checked all the pipes, because remember, we're at a construction site. Right, Police checked all the pipes, the rebar, and all that, and they found no more DNA evidence, only that piece of hair that was in his hand. That's still all we have. But you know, at a construction site, there's potential weapons everywhere. Yeah, and who they didn't take it with them. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I heard, and I was watching the, I think it was an Oxygen channel, 
series about Crystal Rogers' disappearance. Oh, it's a good one. I know that the crime labs, like the Kentucky Crime Lab, it's extremely underfunded. Like, it needs far more funds. Yeah, because they had tons of evidence, and they had to pick and choose. Right. They could only test a certain amount. So if you're at a, I don't know if Tennessee is the same, but if you're at a construction site and literally everything around you is a potential weapon, what if you've just chosen the wrong things? That's true, and that's kind of scary to think about, that it it could have been laying beside them and they just didn't pick it up. Right there. So according to another article that I saw, only one person has made a report to police about hearing something kind of out of the ordinary. It was a security guard at a nearby business, and he told detectives that he heard, like, an alarming scream around 3.30 a.m. that he believed was a woman's voice. I wonder if you could really tell with a scream, though, I guess. Oh, that sounded really girly. Like, how are you going to... Right. I don't think you'd be able to tell that. Like, how do men scream different than women? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to really have a yeah. screaming contest to check it out, but I would think it would sound similar. fairly similar. And you're not, like, right next to them, so, you know, how would you not... I don't think we should rule that out as, oh, it was a woman's scream. Right. Because we don't know. Or even, you know, I mean, we because we don't know. I mean, here it is. If it happened at 3.30 a.m., it's... I'm sure fairly isolated and mm-hmm. dark and a construction site. For all we know, you know, he could have been a, a good guy and not even been involved with anybody, but maybe there was a woman who he saw being attacked by someone mm-hmm. and he it was a woman's scream and he runs over to help her. Maybe. Help. Yeah, oh, we have good. no idea. That's a good theory. Or maybe he just got scared and screamed because I scream at the oh, smallest yeah, thing. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> like Anthony yesterday came up behind me and like I was just sitting in a chair and like just went like on the back of my head <laughs> and out of reflex I like smacked back and I hit him right in the face oh, on his no. glasses. He was like, my <laughs> So I just want to bring this up because we did talk about his past with an alcohol addiction. They did a toxicology report and he had zero drugs in his system. So some people like to think it was a drug deal gone wrong, but I think with that toxicology report, we can just rule that out. And even if it were a drug deal gone wrong, it doesn't matter. I feel like they would have, yeah. well, it doesn't matter. And I feel like they would have taken the money. Right. And we. T- I'm going to talk about that here in a minute because so, some people think it was robbery. Um, hello. Yeah, you wouldn't leave what <laughs> you were going for. Right? In his pack. Like, you're going to take all this stuff. So clearly... The robbery theory is a no. No. He literally had thousands of dollars on him. Yeah. You're not just going to walk away from that. Nope. Some people argue that maybe it was a sex exchange gone wrong. Apparently, there was a rest stop Mm. nearby that was known for prostitution. Remember, I don't go to rest stops. Yes, I do remember this. Because... You said that's where you go to get murdered. Yep. And so, another reason we don't go there. But apparently there was one near him, and it was known for prostitution. But many think that maybe he bought a prostitute, and when she came to meet him, a pimp accompanied her. First off, I didn't really know that that was like I don't know. I don't don't know. know. (laughs) We're not masters at this. We don't know. They think maybe that they attempted to rob him. No. And that they somehow pushed him out of his car or out of their car, and they tried to flee the scene of the crime, and they hit him with a car, hence the injury to the stomach. But again, I'm not an expert in prostitution, but I think the goal of it is to make money. So why would you leave all of the money? Or the goal of robbery. Yeah. So that makes no sense to me. 
None at all. None at all. And if he's that scared that he's running, fleeing out of Canada, buying tickets that he never uses. Potentially stealing a car. Well, here's why I was going to say something, and then I started second-guessing. I was going to say I wouldn't think he would trust many people, but then he trusted the gas station attendant to drive him to the hotel. So that's rather odd to me. So maybe it was just some type of, like we said, mental block that he had going on at that time. Maybe the man he was eating dinner with was someone he was trying to pay off because he was someone that was trying to kill him. Maybe this man was like ally quote-unquote of his Mm -hmm. that was trying to help him escape whatever was chasing him maybe that guy was his friend and ends up turning on him i mean we can go on and on because we just don't know wow and what do we really have to go off of we have a piece of hair with no matching dna and a sketch of a man that he ate dinner with which says nothing he could have literally just eaten dinner with somebody with a friend who has nothing to do with it he's also in the south and we're really hospitable in the south so maybe he just like started talking to this guy uh, okay for those of you who don't live in the south um i'll just give you a little snippet so what we do is if we go into the grocery store and we're standing in line and it looks like it's going to be a few minutes we just start talking to the person in front of us or behind we make a friend and so it wouldn't surprise me if somebody said oh he went to this restaurant someone noticed that he was eating by himself and said hey do you want some company yeah because i've joined anthony and i've done that before Right. And so I could totally see that happening, too. So this person he ate with, I'm glad you brought that up because it it could have just been someone being kind. It could have been coincidence. Right. It could have been innocent. So we don't have a lot to go on. And I think because of that, it's easy to see how this case has gone cold. I agree. What is it about cold cases that keep us so enthralled? Is it the mystery factor? We can't stop thinking about the what if. We're obsessed with trying to put the pieces of an extremely large and difficult puzzle together. While we do love the thrill of a case that keeps us up at night texting each other with details, what we love is the hope that we see running deep in each of these cases. The hope that justice will be served, the hope that the missing will be found, or the hope that peace will finally be brought to these families. I feel that hope when I talk about Blair's case. Hope that someone, somewhere, has information for the police. Hope that someone somewhere saw something, found something, or heard something that will bring new life to this case. True, Blair had a past, but his past shouldn't define how his case is looked at. We need to move past the bias that we carry towards people overcoming addiction, suffering from mental illness, or living with what we might like to call an alternative lifestyle. Because no matter a person's past, they deserve life. Blair deserved to feel safe. He deserved life, and his family deserves answers. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. week.